Hey everyone, Dajia Hao. This episode's about a piece of online smut that exploded into print to both fanfare and controversy. Fifty Shades of Grey, or a Chinese equivalent? No, not really. A Xi Jinping fanfic? It's not that either. It's a completely different beast altogether, and yes, it's definitely a beast. But what's the nature of the beast? Well, let's find out. So our translated fiction today is a novel. The English name is "Leave Me Alone." If you haven't heard of that, it's by Murong Shuetsun. It's got its Chinese name here in front of me. Pardon me if I get the tones wrong. Chengdu Jinye Qingjiang Wo Yiwang. Yep, I wasn't, wasn't probably massacred that, <coughs> but um, that Chinese name means Chengdu. Please forget me tonight, or tonight, please forget me. So, the、uh, the English the English name actually has a fuller form.、Um, Leave me alone, a novel of Chengdu. So, they've kept the Chengdu in there, but it's more of a a subtitle, I suppose. And it's not it's not printed on the cover. I think it's、um, on the half title of the book. Let me, yeah, yeah, it's on the kind of、um, title page inside the、um, inside the cover. So、um, yeah, so we got "Leave Me Alone," the English name, and the Chinese name "Chengdu." Please forget me tonight, which to me sounds a little bit more sad and fatalistic、um, compared with the English language title. To me, I think that sounds a bit more aggressive.、Um, I think both certainly work because the novel has a, a kind of a fatalism, a feeling that no matter what you do, nothing can go right.、Um, definitely some elements of like depression and defeat. But there's the the protagonist and a lot of the people he encounters are absolutely full of aggression and kind of do want to be left alone, maybe on an existential level. So、um, yeah, both titles work. So I'll start by telling you a little bit about the author Murong Shuetsun. So he's a bit like our last author Wang Shuo. In fact, he's kind of a lot like him.、Uh, he uses a pen name, so Murong Shuetsun. If you can count, you'll know that's four characters, and Chinese names basically can't or don't. Or I think there's perhaps some exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, you don't see four character Chinese names. They're always two characters or three. Always one for the family name, I think. Perhaps there's some exceptions, and then one or two for the given name. So Murong Shuetsun's real name is Hao Chun. Although I should also point out that. On my English language edition here, his his author's name or his name is just written as Murong. They don't include the Shuetsun on the front cover or on the spine, but on the blurb. Let me see. Actually, I don't see his name on the blurb apart from and the quotes, except as Mister Murong or Murong. Yeah. So even on. The back here, we don't have Murong Shuetsun. Let me have a look inside. Do 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 do. Yeah, unless you went looking really hard, and even in this physical book, he's just Murong. We don't have his full pen name. So another thing that Murong has in common with Wang Shuo is that he was also offered a position and a salary in the Chinese Writers Association, the state organization that kind of. Lends a support and keeps an eye on Chinese writers, but just like Wang Shuo, Murong turned that down. So before he became a writer,、um, Murong was working in the 
90s and the early 2000s. And at that time, China's economy was still burgeoning, still growing very fast, and still kind of in the process of what's called reform and opening up in uh, the, the government's own English translation of their words. That's what they called it. So it was a pretty vibrant, you could say, time in um, the Chinese economy, but also, a, you know, just like when Western countries massively liberalized themselves in the 80s and 90s, kind of greed got unleashed and perhaps it was a more more extreme kind of thing in China because it was a much more extreme transition from a very state-controlled economy to a liberalized one. So Murong was working in a pharmaceutical company in the big southern economic powerhouse city of Guangzhou. Uh, the company was called Softo, at least that's its English name. And he discovered that Softo had an online forum where its workers could self-publish prose and poetry. So this would be a Chinese language forum on, on the Chinese interwebs. And he quite liked it. He was reading there a lot. And he finally saw a web novel on that um, self-publishing prose and poetry forum called Our Beijing. And it was in a style, a style that he really liked. And he thought he could do something similar himself and probably get a following, just like some of these other writers on the forum were doing. So in the year 2002, Murong Shuetsun, formerly known uh, as Hao Chun, and I suppose perhaps still known as Hao Chun to his friends, gave it a go. So Murong posted Chengdu, Forget Me Tonight, or Leave Me Alone, as it's become known in the English-speaking world, piece by piece uh, onto the internet in the year 2002. And he quickly built up a following. He was using short, punchy chapters stuffed with anger, frustration, cursing, beer, food. I remember tofu in particular and hot pot, since it's a Chengdu novel. Um, and there was a lot of sex too, which of course helps people turn the proverbial virtual pages. Clearly things were going well because before he'd even finished posting all the pieces of this web novel, a quote cleaned up unquote version uh, was published in print by the Inner Mongolia People's Publishing House. So there's there's quite a lot of these um, publishing houses in China named after different provinces and cities. They're I think mostly if not all SOEs, state-owned enterprises, and it's interesting that the Inner Mongolia um, publishing SOE picked up this novel, because of course it's a novel of Chengdu, and I, as far as it's Chengdu's in Sichuan, as far as I'm aware, Inner Mongolia and Sichuan province uh, don't even touch borders. But yeah, what, what, what do I know about this? Not much. Anyway, um, after it got published by these guys, the novel was also picked up by another um, Chinese publisher called the 21st Century Publishing House, Publishing House, and then another Chinese publisher called Epoch Publishing. So this was one of the really first big web novel success stories in China, and it was well ahead as of anything we've seen in the West, certainly quite far ahead of Fifty Shades of Grey. So in 2008 and 2009, some slightly crappy-looking, in my opinion, French and German editions uh, of Leave Me Alone or Chengdu Forget Me Tonight appeared. Um, so the French one was 2008, the German one was 2009. 
Um, and this was kind of happening just as Murong's relationship with, let's just say, the Chinese state was kind of reaching its best and then not much longer further along the line, it's worst. But we'll talk a bit more about that later. Let's let's not make everything about politics, eh? I think there's enough of that out there. Um, so in the year 2009, an Australian publisher, so an English language publisher, obviously, Alan and Unwin published Chengdu, Forget Me Tonight, under the name Leave Me Alone. So this is when the name Leave Me Alone first appeared. And this edition, it's not the one I've got. I've got the UK-US edition, but it's got, and it does not have the same cover, but it's clearly got the same design. It's got a kind of edgy, modern font in a slightly murky-looking green colour that I really like. Um, Yeah. And it's the same translator, Harvey Tomlinson. The main difference is the Alan and Unwin edition has a completely different picture on the cover. It's a picture of like a, I guess a Chengdu evening scene. There's a there's a lady on a phone, whereas my UK US edition, it's a close up of some slightly rotten looking flowers, which both fit the novel. But I think the rotten flowers are kind of a more powerful, potent image that link up with the themes of the novel. Whereas a picture of a Chengdu night scene. It's a bit more literal, and it's just not quite such a pleasing image. It's a nice photo, perhaps, but doesn't really fit as a book cover. It looks... it Well, I've only seen a graphic of it on a computer screen. I haven't seen it, the book, the physical book. But yeah, it just didn't look as professional to me. But if someone from Alan and Unwin is listening, by all means, send an assassin to my house and silence me. Um, I'm not afraid of you. So a word on the translator of this book. Uh, he's called Harvey Tomlinson. So as you can probably guess, he's not Chinese. He's got a company based in Hong Kong called Make Do, which um, is involved in the translation and publication of Chinese writers and has also published some Westerners writing about China. Now, an intriguing thing, which I could not quite get to the bottom to, bottom get to the bottom of, is that my copy of Leave Me Alone was published by a company called 46, and the evidence I could find online suggests that 46 may have turned into Make Do, or it may be an imprint of Make Do, a word for kind of like a publishing term for like a company within a company or a brand within a company. So perhaps Make Do purchased 46? It is not clear to me. Couldn't find the answer. Need to ask someone uh, and here we go on a tangent. The person I might ask could be Nikki Harmon. She's one of the, well, she's another Western translator of uh, Chinese to English fiction. She runs an organization and a website called Paper Republic, which is an amazing resource that I'm making use of, and you could too if such things interest you. Uh, I met her yesterday. This is why I'm on this tangent. I was at the London Book Fair and I had a chat with her about this podcast, and she's very enthused because uh, she agrees this, it's a niche. No one's there. There are podcasts on Chinese literature, but specifically, like looking at the translation angle, yeah. Um, so we might have her on one day once I'm <laughs> once I'm more professional and ready for her. Uh, tangent over. Expect more about the London Book Fair in the next episode. So yes, uh, Harvey Tomlinson's translation of Leave Me Alone is honestly, I think it's fab. Um, the prose is pretty corrosive. The dialogue is does feel kind of tough, hard-boiled from the street. Um, I'm sure that's how Murong Shuetsun wrote this book. 
Um, but in any case, Harvey Thomason got the vibe that was required. My one criticism of him is, Harvey, your website, um, Make Do's website, it looks a bit unfinished. There's some dead links, perhaps from a previous version of the site, and some slightly underfilled pages that look like they're not finished. So yeah, yeah. Um, shots fired. Big shots fired from a guy who um, doesn't work nearly as hard as you, Harvey. Take that. Um, oh yes, one last thing. Um, so make do or slash 46. I think it was under the name 46. Harvey's apparently company uh, published another book I, I had read um, a couple of years, I think, before I read Leave Me Alone called China Cuckoo, which is it's by a far, written in English by a, a English slash Welsh guy about his experiences in China, which means it kind of doesn't fit within the parameters of this podcast. But yeah, pretty cool book, worth checking out, guys. Interesting stuff. China Cuckoo by Mark Kitto. Yeah. So pressing on, let's talk about the edition of Leave Me Alone that I'm reading. I am reading the 2014 UK edition, or rather, I've read. I've read the 2014 UK edition put out by 46. So I'm pretty sure this is the full novel. Remember I said before that the Chinese editions of Leave Me Alone, the Chinese print editions of Leave Me Alone were slightly cleaned up and censored, whereas the Chinese web novel, the original version, was not chopped up. So pretty sure we're reading a translation of the uncensored version, but I have nothing to back that up. That just seems more likely to me. Um, I don't recall what they were, but I do recall reading through it there were some typos. Perhaps the proofreading was a little rushed or underfunded. Um, yeah, again, I did not make notes of those as I was reading it. I read it just after Christmas, just around Christmas. But yeah, um, the typography and the layout and the design of this edition I loved it. Um, the front cover is gorgeous. It's like a dark red, crimson color palette, murky green title with a slightly kind of chaotic looking font. Um, at each chapter, they've got a wee, um, I don't know the right technical word here. There's a little illustration of little mahjong tiles, which the, the sleazy themes of the book and mahjong being this like very casual late night gambling sport fits perfectly um yeah so <laughs> design typography layout wise it's a cool addition uh, it was a feast for my eyes um it also has a wee quote on uh, the page facing the copyrights from Murong. it doesn't say it doesn't give a context for his quote but um i like it quite a lot it's not the deepest thing you've ever heard i'll just read it to you now in times such as these, the best thing you can do is to make sure that you don't do bad things and try to live a virtuous life. Yeah, I'm not going to analyze that. I'm just going to let it sit in your memory and then you can measure it against either what you feel when you read this book or what sense you get from my synopsis. If it so happens you're never going to read Leave Me Alone, which by the way, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> no one's going to judge you for that. No one needs to know. I certainly won't unless you reach out and tell me. Uh, yes, one more thing about the kind of layout of this book. This ties into the mystery of is 46 the company that became Make Do? So on the very, very, very last page facing the back cover, it just says, bang in the middle of the page, I think, www.46.tv. And that's a dead link. That doesn't go anywhere. 404 error. So... 
I can't analyze that. It's just intriguing, and I would like to find out what the story is about 46 and make do. So yes, here is a question that came to me when I was thinking about how I would you know, share all my, my deep takes and my hot cuts or hot takes, deep cuts, um, deep dives, my thoughts about the book anyway. I was thinking, is this another piece of Liu Mang Wenshua, Liu Mang literature, Liu Mang being the uh, Mandarin word for hooligan, um, just like Wang Shuo's books, basically. In fact, I think Wang Shuo's books were the only ones that were really considered examples of Liu Mang literature. Just, But I, I think this book kind of fits that mold. I'm going to give the argument for and against considering Leave Me Alone as Liu Mang hooligan literature. So the, the case for this is an urban book, just like the deeply, intensely urban environments that Wang Shuo writes about. It's from a very male perspective, and I think you certainly could have a female Liu Mang protagonist, but I don't think that's what's going on in Wang Shuo's book. And Leave Me Alone, I've got to say, is I think it's even more aggressively masculine, toxically mas toxically. <laughs> um, it's 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 got the kind of dark or painful or violent uh, yeah all these kind of dark sides of masculinity are in this book it's spicy and i'm not going to explain what i mean by that it's a spicy book and i think wang shuo perhaps is too but spice levels are higher here because this is a this is chengdu literature this is Sichuan literature moving on uh, another another reason for this being a liu mang book is it's kind of cool the, the characters kind of live an edgy kind of beatnik lifestyle um yeah, so Leo Mangs are cool. We have some Leo Mangs, or at least some cool guys in Leave Me Alone. Uh, another case for criminality and the edge of the law. So these characters in Leave Me Alone are definitely breaking the law quite a lot, often with them. Corruption, public violence. I don't know what Chinese laws are about public violence, but yeah, these guys are outside and on the edge of the law in their personal and business and perhaps sex lives. Again, don't know what the laws are in China. Um, yeah, uh, and a point on criminality. So Murong himself, in a quote I'm going to give in full later, described himself as a criminal with words, although in context, it's a little bit of a more of a ironic statement. So yes, Liu Mang literature, criminality. There's another point for this being a Liu Mang book. The next argument for this being Liu Mang literature, it's politically disinterested, it's ambivalent. So there was there was a strong political and critical dimension to Please Don't Call Me Human, the book in the last episode by Wang Shuo. This one's even more disinterested. Um, so yeah, Wang Shuo's book, yes, it was political. Did it come down hard? in favor of making any particular argument for something different? No. Um, and leave me alone. It highlights corruption, yes, in the world of business and in the police. Is it a political book? No, I don't think so at all. I think it's a piece of maybe social criticism about um, greed and moral laxity that came up with the opening of the Chinese economy, but I don't think it's shooting at any political figures. It's just kind of an exercise in despair, nastiness. Yeah. So 
I think that fits the Leo Meng model. And the last point for the the black humor. So that book we read by Wang Shuo, Please Don't Call Me Human, was I would say a very, very black comedy with a strong element of absurd absurdism. Leave me alone. Um there are quite a lot of funny <laughs> kind of like cringy situations almost some of the situations the car the protagonist chen Zhong gets himself into are like you're just shaking your head like man why are you doing this to yourself um so maybe the humor here is not black but the kind of darker more despairing humor is perhaps something that we, we could argue for being a trait of leo Mang literature um present in leave me alone but now i'm going to give the argument against why this is maybe a completely different creature from Wang Shuo's writing. So first up, sour and bitter. Just like spicy, I'm not going to explain what these mean. <laughs> just to just to be annoying. Um, another reason this isn't a Leo Mang book, it's just very black and nihilistic. Um, so like, there was maybe a certain degree of strong moral or general indifference in the Wang Shuo book I read, and from what I read about his other writings. But here, this book, Leave Me Alone by Murong, it's just bleak as hell. It kind of depicts life as hell. Um, certainly the life you can make, the hell you can create for yourself just by following your blind instincts rather than being a sensible person. Um, We've got I've got a quote here from one of Murong's longtime editors, who's kind of both from a business perspective of trying to get the books published, but perhaps also just to concern about his friend. So this editor, Lu Jimbo, said of Murong, he is the best writer under the age of forty. But Murong has one problem. His writings are too dark. I think he also said um he's a nihilist loner. Also a quote from Lu Jimbo. So if your editor's disturbed by you, perhaps you have a problem. But then again, if Murong wasn't super dark and nihilist and kind of a self-determined loner, would his writing have the edge it does? No, probably not. So yeah, isn't life unfair that you um, sometimes it's your, it's your um, flaws or your problems that give you the edge? Hmm. Deep cut. Alright, another argument for this not being a Liu Mang book. Um our protagonist, Chen Zhong, he's um he's managerial. He's working in a, a I guess an SOE. It's a petroleum or pet petrol? Petroleum? I'll say petroleum. He's in a he's working in a petroleum company. And he uh, you could say some of his problems are like oh, my chair just collapsed. Um, are like corporate problems. Uh, he's an alcoholic. He has addictive tendencies. He's self-destructive. And I'm not sure if a uh, Leo Mang, like a cool guy, Wang Shua protagonist, would be this messed up or wearing a suit to work. So perhaps and for this reason, it's not a Leo Mang book. And perhaps just the last reason why this is perhaps not in the same mold as Wang Shua, it's from a different era. Wang Shua's kind of began writing in the 80s, continued through to the 90s. And... Although the 90s were perhaps formative years for Murong, uh, his his books are more of an early 2000s phenomenon. Or at least that was when he he really hit his... Well, no, no, no. Maybe not early 2000s, but I think the, uh, the previous decade from the one we're in now was probably the era of Murong Shui Tun. So perhaps perhaps the, the, the Liu Mang 
moment was a moment and perhaps it's over and I shouldn't be trying to tack that label somewhere where it doesn't belong. Yeah, there you go. Analysis. So another thought I have about this book is um, a question I asked myself. Uh, Does the kind of online medium or format that the book began as affect the form of its print edition? Um, So I don't know what went on in the editing process, but I would say, yeah, the print edition does have a structure that I think is probably informed by the web format. So remember I said that um, Morong was publishing it just piece by piece, um, and his followers were waiting for each piece post by post. And I think it, it it makes the book read a bit like, well, the one Charles Dickens novel I've read, Great Expectations. So it's super readable. It has short, punchy, uh, dramatic chapters. Um, they often end on cliffhangers. That's the plus side. The negative side is perhaps the plot meanders a bit. Perhaps it wasn't totally planned out piece by piece. Gets a bit um, repetitive, maybe. And then when it ends... It does end nicely, but it kind of just ends when it ends abruptly. I would say that there's some like proper character development and progression um, throughout the plot, because the plot is like fairly... It's just Chen Zhong consistently being dishonest and angry and screwing himself over whenever he tries to get at other people. Um, but the progression is that he does kind of... His despair and regret gradually increases perhaps doesn't reach a climax and there's no kind of final moment of self of of realization perhaps that would be too cheesy but he does kind of gradually learn things about himself he he sees what he's doing wrong he gets a sense of just how and why he's become what he's become so yeah that i would say is the 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 progression of the novel beyond just kind of a downward spiral into alcohol and stupid behavior. Um, so I'd, I'm going to read you some excerpts from the novel now just to give you a flavor of what goes on in this story rather than giving you a plot summary, which you could read online. So here's page one, the very start of the novel. My wife called as I was leaving the office to ask if I wanted to join her at some new hot pot restaurant everyone was talking about. All you think about is eating, I snapped. I was pissed off because Fatty Dong had just been appointed general manager. Fatty and I started selling car parts in the company's Chengdu branch at about the same time. All he was good at was sucking up to people, but from now on, that idiot was going to be my boss. If you don't want to come, said Zhao Yue, then shall I ask someone else? Does it sound like I'm bothered? She cut me off before I'd even finished. For a while, I stared blankly into space. Zhao Yue hadn't done anything wrong, but I wasn't going to take any shit tonight. Snatching up my leather briefcase, I stormed out of the building like thunder. So here we just get, well, the very first sentence mentions hot pot, so we know where we are. Uh, But yeah, we get a sense of what a moody guy, angry guy, um, this Chen Zhong is, and kind of the just... I th- I get I th- the vibe I get from this very first opener is leave me alone. That's why I think the English translation of the Chinese title is so good. Okay, I'm gonna read from page 151 now. This is one of 
the party slash drinking scenes, one of many, many, many. The Chen Zhong and his, his pals are out for the night. And here's a little snippet of something pretty typical from one of those scenes. Big Head Wang said hurriedly, Drink, drink. Tonight, no one is allowed to talk about anything bad. I won't allow it. I'd always dismissed Big Head as a non-entity. The strange thing was, though, in all these years, nothing bad had ever really happened to him. He'd never taken a wrong turn in life. Aside from pure luck, he must possess some life wisdom. Li Liang said he was the Monkey King, dressed up as Pig. Big Head Wan looked embarrassed by this. I'm not like you, he said. I don't set my sights too high. As long as I have something to drink during the day, and someone to grope at night, then I'm happy. I heard that he was pushing hard for another promotion to procurement manager, a famously lucrative post. Liliang said enviously, It's easier for you to make money than me. There's no risk, and you don't even have to use your brain. Yeah, so in that clip we had casual sexism, we had greed, we had hustling, we had drinking. Yeah, what else did we have there? Yeah, basically all, all our elements or some of our key elements of the kind of flavour of Leave Me Alone. And here we've got page 209, it's the start of a chapter, where Chen Zhong is starting to feel kind of the biting, deep, bleak sadness um, kind of weigh on him. He's he's had kind of uh, an encounter with his wife who's in the process of leaving him, and he's feeling crushed by his own misdeeds. He's probably in the process of learning it's his own misdeeds that have done this. So here we go. The skin on my hands peeled every autumn. Western doctors blamed a vitamin deficiency and Chinese doctors said that it was too much heat in my blood. Zhao Yue claimed that I had been a snake in my past life. Had I watched this passing scene from a remote cave in the mountains? Love and hate, sorrow and happiness. Would this life that for Buddhists was a compound of hundreds of accumulated lives be like the skin on my hands? Flaking away bit by bit in the cold autumn? Yeah, it's just, that's probably why Murong's author thinks he's the best of his generation. It's just cracking, cracking stuff. So sadness aside, let's give this book a rating. I would give it 5 out of 5 servings of cold beer and hot tofu. Because, um, yeah, I think the only flaw I would, in, in my opinion, is maybe that the pot isn't as tight as it could be. At points, it feels like a tone poem because it's just um, ridiculous scene after ridiculous scene. Uh, but it's so in- it's such an enjoyable read and often so well put together. I suppose in the original composition and the translation. So kudos to both the author and the translator. Um, you might the book might not be to your liking if you just don't want endless debauchery or this level of debauchery or if you want some moral guiding moral principles or a shred of light might not be the book for you but on a personal level yeah five out of five angry guys in a shirt and a suit five out of five promiscuous ktv sessions right so i said earlier um that i would talk about murong's relationship with the state and you know we, we could infer from that censorship given the kind of uh, the content of his novels. Um, so here's a, here's a, a story about um, a Jiangxi pyramid scheme, a speech the editor Lu, Lu Jinbo 
and Murong's sadness. I've, I have a big section of um, a, a speech he gave. Um, I was planning on reading the whole thing. I think that would be a stretch. Uh, suffice to say, the whole speech exists online in English. I think the New York Times, I know I dissed them in the last episode. They had some really good resources on Murong. I think they, they had him into their office for a video interview one time. So anyway, let, on with the story. Uh, in two thousand, On with the true story. In 2009, in 2009, Murong Sun wrote an expose on a pyramid scheme in China's Jiangxi province, and he called it China in the absence of a remedy, or have the Chinese here, Zhongguo Shaole Yi Wei Yao. Again, apologies if I mispronounced that. And for this expose, he won the 2010 People's Literature Prize, and he wrote a 4,000 word, a dramatic, let's say, 4,000 word accepting acceptance speech. But when it came time to give it, he basically was told not to. So he just made a zipping motion with his mouth on the stage and then proceeded to publish the thing online. Um, I'm just going to read one paragraph for it. And then I urge you to look up the rest if you're interested in Murong. So here's what he said. I've dedicate, I have dedicated great effort to the task of compiling this sensitive words glossary, and I've mastered my filtering skills. I knew which words and sentences had to be cut, and I accepted the cutting as if that was the way it should be. In fact, I will often take it on myself to save time and cut a few words. I call this castrated writing. I'm a provocative eunuch. I've already castrated myself before the surgeon raises his scalpel. And I mentioned earlier that um, Murong called himself a word criminal. So I'll just read the context of that quote. It's also from the speech. Um, so I'll try and do this fairly quickly. The most unfortunate thing is that despite my experience, I still don't always know which words are legal and which illegal. And as a result, I often unknowingly commit a word crime. Last night, I saw an advertisement in Beijing that said, what will you say if you become a world champion? Here's my answer. I'm a writer. It is difficult to call myself a writer, even when I stand at a podium to receive a prize. I feel uncomfortable I feel uncomfortable calling myself a writer. I am merely a word criminal. So yeah. Provocative and I think I think it's interesting not knowing what's allowed and what's not allowed, because in a way that's more oppressive than knowing exactly what's not allowed because it leaves you guessing and it makes you self-censor rather than actively being censored by an outside force. Um, I'm sure if, if you go around looking, people have plenty to say about that in China, in both writing and other kinds of conduct. So yeah, if this, if you like these two quotes, go look up the full speech. It's a good read. So a couple of final remarks on Murong and his kind of trials and tribulations in publishing. So he did publish more books after Chengdu, Forget Me Tonight, or Leave Me Alone, a novel of Chengdu. Um, and send, he, he and his publishers actually found a way to get around censorship, kind of a publishing model that worked for him. So what he would do is he would publish the full online text piece by piece for free for his adoring fans and to build up a reputation and following and so on. And then he would make money, he and his, or rather he and his publisher would make money with a censored or cleaned up print version, self-censored I suppose, or partly self-censored, I, I don't know the exact details, 
And then once that first censored edition of the book had been cleared, then apparently they would get a new edition out because the book had kind of been tick boxed. And in that new edition, they would go for the more a more complete version as the akin to how the book was published online, uncensored. So that that's what I learned, I think, on the interview, the quotes in the New York Times article about Murong. Seems interesting. I didn't get any second sources to verify it. But yeah, definitely an interesting loophole in the kind of control, system of control in Chinese publishing. So speaking of censorship and control, uh, if you go looking for Murong's Sina Weibo account, Weibo is, um, you've, I'm sure you may have heard before, that's like Chinese Twitter, basically, but it's probably, I think it's more used more by your average person than than, than Twitter is, because China doesn't really have a Facebook. I suppose Weibo is kind of like the Twitter and the Facebook in some ways. Anyway, Murong's Weibo account is is gone. It's got the kind of generic message saying there's something abnormal in this account and it has been removed until further notice, which basically means somebody's took it down. Um, so I don't know what the future holds for Murong Shuetsun. He's certainly had a success. I'm sure he's made his money and he's found acclaim domestically and abroad. So our next episode's going to be a wee bit different. I'm not necessarily going to be analysing any translated uh, Chinese texts. I'm going to be talking about what I kind of saw and heard at the London Book Fair, which is the UK publishing industry's biggest get-together. Um, I, well, you may not be surprised to hear, I basically went looking for every Chinese publishing company that I could, and I also went looking for like, some... Well, I went looking for a translator called um, Jeremy Tiang, who's Singaporean, uh, fluent in English and Chinese, has written his own books, I think, in English, and has translated others' others' work from Chinese into English. I had a chat with him, and I met Nikki Harmon, as I mentioned earlier, and I also spoke to some very nice people from both state-owned enterprises and at least one private Chinese company called Web Novel, who, they are super interesting. I might in the future be looking at some of their translated fiction, which is going to be also a little bit like Murong from the internet, but a lot more like the internet fan fiction that is is the norm now, like genre, what you, you could call it trashy if you wanted. Um, yeah, so lots of interesting things coming up in the next episode, um, and a bit more of a personal episode, as I'll be talking about my my findings and my my fun fun times trying to network and hand out little business cards with the name of this podcast on them uh yes so on that note goodbye by jian and hope you stick around for episode four of the translated chinese fiction podcast